Well, good morning, everyone. Isn't it a good day to be in the presence of Jesus? And the sun is coming out as I speak. Wow, the great I am. You know, the truths that I'm going to share from the Word of God this morning, from John chapter 17, um, just does not cease to amaze and astound me. And as a human being, um, I just have a hard time getting my uh, cognitive ability, my, my mind wrapped around to fully understand um, what Jesus prays in that last prayer that he prayed upon the earth. And uh, I want to have you turn uh, to John chapter 17, if you would, and I'll begin to uh, read there at about verse 18 uh, with you. But it really is, Jesus is praying. I mean, this is what we call his um, high priestly prayer. You know, this is just before Jesus goes to a cross. And uh, it always amazes me. You know, what would be the very last thing I would pray if I knew that, um, you know, the end of my life might be tonight or tomorrow? Kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? <laughs> uh, but that's the reality or the context of what Jesus was actually praying here. He knew he was going to a cross. And uh, he began to pray specifically uh, for his disciples around, well, an ongoing encounter uh, that they and consequently us would have. Uh, so buckle your seat belts on here a little bit and let's look at these uh, scriptures and see what the Lord would do uh, with it and in us in light of them. Um, I want to begin reading in John uh, 17, verse 18, and this is, well, it's sort of that last section of the prayer that Jesus prayed, and he's uh, actually praying for um, all of us. So it's real important that you see yourself in this text, because Jesus was pouring his heart out uh, for you. And uh, verse 18 says this, let me just read 18 through 23 maybe uh, it says this as you now this is Jesus addressing the father and he says as you sent me into the world I have also sent them into the world and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth I do not pray for these alone, meaning Jesus is praying not just for his disciples and the next ring out of his disciples, maybe the 70 or the, you know, the people that he met during his life who were alive then. Uh, he says, I don't pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me, um, and I in you, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I've given to them, that they may be 
one just as we are one. I, Jesus, in them, and you, Father, are in me, that they may be perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them in the very same way that you have loved me. <laughs> I, I just want to start crying when I read this text. You know, it is undoing. If God gives us the grace by which our hearts become captured with the revelation that he's praying for us. Have you ever heard anybody pray for you like that? No, it's just, it's, uh, it's undoing. Um, but let me highlight, if I may, to, to kind of organize it for our thinking and for what I believe God wants to do with us, around a handful of words. There are six of them. The first one comes from verse uh, 18, and it's the word sent. And let me read the text again. Jesus is praying, and he says, As you sent me uh, into the world. Now, uh, the word here, as you see in back of me, is um, apostello, and it means to be sent. It's the word from which we get the word apostle, one who is uh, sent. And um, it means to send forth with a, a mission. So he's saying, Father... Um, as you have sent me into the world with a specific mission to go to a cross and on it accomplish something for the redemption of every man, every woman, every human being, the young, the old, the black, the white, the red, the yellow, all human beings. As God, you have sent me with specific mission. That's where this is going. Jesus was sent forth from the Father, and in the same way, we are being sent from Him. Let me read it again. As you, Father, have sent me into the world, I have now sent them into the world. Have you ever wondered why you are, you're alive on the earth? I mean, really, in our worst times, I go, oh, look, Lord, what is my purpose? What is my uh, mission? What is... What is that one thing, you know, that, that uh, is more important than anything else? Well, this is where if we have the capacity by the spirit of wisdom and revelation to grasp the reality of what Jesus is praying here, he is simply saying, Father, as you have now sent me uh, into the world, I am sending them into the world. Now, who is the them in this uh, text? Us! <laughs> yeah, as, you have, as you have sent me on specific mission to accomplish specific things, in that very same way, I am sending them uh, into the world as well. And it's this notion of being sent then uh, that Jesus begins to highlight, and that begins to give us an understanding of our our greatest fulfillment in life when we recognize that Jesus said it, as you sent me, I send them. That means you're sent. So, you know, all through history, we can recognize great women or great men who have accomplished amazing things in the kingdom of God. 
you know, we can think of in our most recent time the Mother Teresas of the world and, you know, the, uh, the, um, th- those who have been involved in great awakenings or, or restoration movements uh, all through history. We can see, God, we can, we, can, we can understand that you have sent them on specific mission. We understand that the John Calvins or, you know, you name a name, we see that some men and women have been sent to do amazing things on the earth. But the fact of the matter is, if you are in Jesus, beloved, you're, you have been sent in the very same way. You see, Jesus was praying out his heart to the Father, and he said, Father, as you've set me into the world to do something no other human being could do, so now I'm sending them. Which is to say, each one of us are sent for specific purpose and mission that the Father has had in His heart from the foundation of the earth. Does that give any of you a sense, just a rising sense of significance and value and honor? If you get a hold of that by the revelation of the Spirit out of which Jesus prayed, He's talking about not just doing something for Him, but the fact is that we have been before eternity ever began, before the history of the world. God had your name tattooed on His arm, written on the palms of His hands, as the Scripture says, and God has made each of you and me with purpose. God, is that true? Do you think God the Father answers the prayer of Jesus? I think so. There are times when I wonder if He answers my prayer or hears my prayer. I understand. I get that. That's the way we are as people. But Jesus was saying, Father, I thank You that You always hear me. And now as You have sent me into the world, I send them. Now watch what Jesus does. You see the word already in back of me here. What Jesus says about those who were sent. As you sent me, I send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself uh, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Now it's notion of being sanctified. You see the word there, hagios, and that means you know one who is uh, set apart for the purposes of God. One. Now remember, Jesus was on mission and he sends you to be on a mission as well. You might not understand what your mission is just yet, but you are also on a mission by the Father, accomplished in Jesus through the Gospel, and empowered by the Spirit of God that now lives within us into the world for specific task and ministry. And the way it's accomplished is the same way Jesus accomplished his ministry. Verse 19, For their sakes... I sanctify myself, sanctified, hagiadzo, simply means to set, to be set apart, separation unto God with specific purpose. In other words, there is a point at which Jesus had to cooperate with the Father in being sent, and the way he cooperated with the Father is by setting himself apart for the Father's purpose. See, God is calling some of us today to set ourselves apart for His purpose. Why? Because He has given you a mission. He has, as Jesus has come into the world and was sent, Jesus is now praying and saying, Father, I now send them. Help them 
by your spirit to set themselves apart uh, in the same way that I have set myself apart, sanctify them in the truth. And this word, um, hagiazo, uh, denotes separation unto relationship, but it could be best illustrated by the gold in the temple. The gold in the temple was an adornment for that physical place. And in the same way that the gold was set apart for adornment, Jesus is saying, I've set myself apart for the adornment of my people, and I ask now they be sanctified or set apart for their special purpose as well. See, set apart like gold in the temple. Uh, We're to be adorned by the presence of God. We set ourselves apart. We simply say, To be set apart is simply to say, yes, God, I understand that as you sent Jesus, you have sent me. And as he set himself apart for that ministry, we say, yes, God, to you, I set myself apart. Now, what's impeding the decision in our lives to set ourselves apart? Hagiadzo, holy, to be a people with specific calling specific mission to be sent and specific task to represent Jesus in the world. See, it's this notion of being sanctified, set apart like gold in the temple, like a gift that's laid upon the altar. God is asking each one of us, because we are sent and because he's calling us to choose to be set apart for that mission, he's calling us to be like a gift laid upon the altar. Huh, that sort of sounds like what Paul was praying in Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living gift, sacrifice, holy and acceptable because of the blood of Jesus. You see, God in the days in which we're now living upon the earth is calling men and women of all ages, the very young, the very old, to specifically understand that they've been sent and called to set themselves apart to be holy unto Him. Now, we're not talking about stopping smoking here. That's not what Jesus is praying, that we would be sanctified, meaning put down that or this. No, He's talking about the entirety of your life being presented to the Father as a gift offering that's holy and acceptable. You see, we in the ch- religion trivializes this thing. God says, no, it's relational. It's, you are sanctified by the working of the gospel in your heart. You belong to me. Absolutely. And as we give ourselves in response then to what he gave to us, we set ourselves apart for that which he has uh, called us to do upon the earth. Sanctified. The word also is found in saints. Paul talks about to, to the saints who were in Ephesus, to the saints who are at Colossae, to the saints... Bob, you're Saint Bob. You see? Stacy right behind him, you're Saint Stacy. The fact of the matter is, God has called you Hagiazzo, holy people, because Jesus said, as I've been sent, you're sent. And I set myself apart so that they might be sanctified in the truth. It's the truth of the word of who you are. This is all about identity. It's not about stopping this or not doing that or doing something else. It's about having relationship with the Father who gave Jesus on our behalf so that we might give ourselves on behalf 
of that same gospel and the people that we love and serve. It's not an attainment. It's a relationship into which God calls us by His grace. Jesus prayed, as, as I sanctify myself, Lord, I sanctify them by the truth as well. Called and sent and set apart with immense value. More value than we yet understand. But God, but God is beginning to release the, the revelation of his identity in the midst of intimacy of relationship and the body of Christ like those dry bones that we sang about are going to begin to come alive and are already doing so right now. God's raising up a people on the earth the backdrop of which is difficulty and pain and wars and darkness and fear and foreboding and all the rest. The backdrop of that will only enhance the light and the liberty and the love that God's pouring out into the hearts of his people. Because that's, that's what Jesus is praying for here. Now let's look at a little bit more of it. Those who are sent, those who then are sanctified in the truth, we're already sanctified in the truth. Yeah, there might be some things you still got to deal with in your life, but the gospel does it, sets us apart in Jesus. It's by His blood that we are sanctified in the truth of what He accomplished on that cross. Sanctified, holy. Now, the third word that I want to look at here is harvest. Uh, let me read the text for you. Um, let's see, where did I go? I lost the page. Let me go back here. I do not pray for these um, alone, but I pray for those who will believe through their word. Now, just, God, help us get this. Jesus is not just praying for those immediately around him, but he's praying for those who will believe through their word and those who will believe through their word. And those who will believe through their word and their word and on up to today. And there are people that will not believe and cannot believe unless we understand that as Jesus was sent, so he sends us. As he was sanctified, God has sanctified us and we cooperate with him because there's a harvest that's happening on the earth. And it's going to happen as people hear and believe through our word. It's not through my word only. It's through your word in the marketplace. It's through the handshake, the smile, the tenderness, the mercy. It's the anointing of the Spirit of God that is resident in your life that you simply carry because you've set yourself apart. There's a harvest that results. It's the result of relationship of those who believe. Those who believe through the word of those who have been sanctified and set apart. All who have a part in relationship have a word to share. You see, we see ourselves, the enemy has made us believe we are insignificant and of little value and have very little worth. And if he can trick us to believing that lie, it will create a bondage over our life that will keep us stuck in smallness and in insignificance. But, beloved, I want to tell you right now, there's a rumbling that's happening in the spirit. And the body of Christ is beginning to awaken. And the bride is beginning to yawn. 
And she's beginning to understand who she is as one who has been sent, as one who has been sanctified, who has a role in the harvest that's going to happen on the earth today. You have immense value because of what God has done uh, in your life. There's a harvest coming. Those who are sent, those who are sanctified, those who are who are, yes, involved in the harvest because Jesus said there's a oneness that's yours. And if we ever get the understanding that we are one, things are really going to begin to change. Let's read it. It's this word, uh, uh, heis, or he's if you will. It's a relational state. Let me read the text for you. Um, And I pray that they may all be one. There's the word, heis. That they may be one. It's about oneness. It's about mystical connection Uh, Let me read it all. That they may be one as you, Father, are in me, Jesus, and I am in you, that they may also be one in us in order that the world may believe that you sent me. This oneness. When we understand that you and I are one with each other, in the very same way that Jesus is one with the Father, and the Father is one with Jesus. You know, it was hard to tell them apart. It's hard for us to get Trinity, isn't it? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, yet one. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, he wasn't taking the Father's role. He was just saying, we're one. And, and in that state of of oneness then that is ours. It's a relational state and it's about one in contrast to many. You see, many of us live our lives with the understanding that I'm one of many. Which means, well, when somebody gets me or when I don't get my way because I'm one of many, but that's not what Jesus was talking about, that we're one of many. God actually, by the gospel implanting, being implanted in our heart in the spirit that gives it then life, we shift from the recognition by the revelation of God that I'm no longer one in the midst of many. I am one in the midst. We are together and we are one, not many, but one. And it's in the notion of being oneness in the same way that the Father is one with Jesus and Jesus is one with the Father. He's saying that you and I are to be one with one another. Come on, look at each other. Just look around. Turn, look at the folks up in the balcony up there. Come on, look at them. You are one with them. Now, let's think about the implications of what does it mean. Father, I pray that just as I am one with you and you are one with me that they would be one in us. That means when somebody offends your emotions, when they make you mad, you don't have the right to hold a grudge against them. Why? Because you're one. You forgive them. You encourage them. You bless them. Why? Because you carry in you this notion, this, this I am God lives His life in you, and it's no longer about you in the midst of many. It's about you. We are one. So when somebody says something against you and you get offended, you have a choice. You can either hold on to the offense or you can open your little hands and drop it to the ground. Why? Because that's what Jesus did for you, beloved. 
You have not the right to accuse somebody and slander somebody because they make you mad or rub your fur the wrong way. Don't you love that illustration of rubbing the cat's fur the wrong way? Some of us get our fur rubbed the wrong way and Jesus says, just get used to it. Why? Because they took me to a cross. And on that cross, I let them rub my fur the wrong way and they speared me and I died so that you can do the very same thing. Now, that's what Jesus is praying about here in this text, that we would be one, that we would understand that it's in contrast to many, but we are one as the Father, as you, Father, are in me. Jesus is praying, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us. That's good stuff. What's, what's hanging you up today? Uh, you, you know, just let your mind go. What's, what's really in your craw? What are you stewing about? Give it up. Oh, to Jesus, I surrender. Oh, to Him, I freely give. You see, it's the blessed blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all of our sin. Now, remember where this is going. I'm about finished here. Jesus said, as I've been sent, so I send them. As I sanctify myself, so they are now sanctified. Because there are going to be a whole lot of people who hear the word through them, not through the preacher. You see, you are the missionary. You are the church that's been deployed in the earth. The only question is, have you yet recognized it? Or are you interested only in living uh, behind the scenes, cloaked in uh, ambiguity? See, God wants us not to be cloaked, but to know who we are and walk with the recognition that the great I am has chosen to live in my heart, take up residence in the likes of me. If that doesn't give you pause to go, whoa! This is an amazing gospel, and in fact, it really is. That they may be one as we are one. That the world may believe. Now, i got just a couple more thoughts here, and I'm going to end, but let me read one more text. As we are one, the Father and the Son, so they might be one with each other. We've got to stop being offended. we just got to stop. We've got to get over ourselves. Jesus is bigger than myself. Aren't you glad? And I'm so disappointing to myself at times. You should know. I get, I get so down on myself, and so do you. I, we get to get over ourselves. It isn't about us. It's about Him living His life in vessels. We have this treasure in, in earthen vessels. So then Jesus starts talking about glory. Now He's praying, Father, the glory which You gave me, the glory which You have given me, I have given to them. Well, you know, I'm insignificant. No, you're not. You carry the glory of God. That they may be one in the same way that we are one. Now, let's talk about this glory. Glory is the word doxa. We get doxology from it. You know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Is that the doxology? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Maybe that's the glory of Patrick. That goes back from my traditional, traditional days. Glory, the, the word doxa means glory. And what it means is to, to have an estimate or to honor that results from a good opinion. 
So Jesus was saying, Father, you have given something that is absolutely unique to me. And as I carry that glory of having a good opinion of who you are, I'm now giving that glory to each one of them. You carry the glory of God. The glory that you gave me, I gave them in order that they may be one as you were one. See, God gives us a good opinion of who He is, and then He turns around and He says, now have a good opinion of each other. Share the glory with one another. So when your wife makes you mad, husbands, what do you need to do? You need to forgive her and love her, as Christ loved the church. You see, as your husbands disappoint you, wives, you need to love them and forgive them. It doesn't mean you don't speak the truth. It doesn't mean you don't, you know, uh, share out of your heart all of those those issues, but it means at the end of the day, you walk in love. Why? Because you've been sent. You've been sanctified. You have been involved and brought into the notion of ministry and harvest on the earth, and you've been given the glory of God so that you can walk having a good opinion of Him and others. And when that begins to happen, the Scripture says that the world will begin to believe that Jesus was sent by the Father. There's one more uh, word here we're going to get at. When we value and honor the glory of our oneness with God, Jesus said, I'm in the Father and the Father is is in me. And as I am in you and as, as, as the Father is in me, when we begin to value the reality uh, of the honor and the glory of our oneness with God, we will begin to value and honor others for God in them. Think of somebody that really gripes you right now. I mean, just frost your, you know, just, they really get your goat going. You got, we got those people. If they're a believer in Jesus, you are already united with them, connected with them, one with them, and you are obliged to love them and forgive them. It's not about how you feel. It's about understanding who you are and how God sees us. It's about intimacy of relationship. It's about identity of who we are. Identity is the revelation of the presence of the Son, the presence of the Father, and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that to you. I in them, verse 23, Jesus said, I am in them. Who's them? Y'all think this is made up. This is too good to be true. Jesus said, Father, as I am in them, and you are in me, that they may be made perfectly one, and that the world may know that you sent me. See, three things grow out of this notion of identity. The world's going to know. See, God's waiting for a people to understand who they are. And it comes by recognition of the Word. It's the Word that sanctifies us. When we read the Word, it gets into our heart. The Spirit opens the eyes of our heart. We sang earlier in one of our first songs, open the eyes of our heart so we begin to see who God is and who we are. That we've been sent, we've been sanctified, that we've been called, that we've been, we, we have the glory of God on our lives because God's moved into the house. You see, this notion of identity that the world may see, and three things it says here, and we'll end with this, three things that the world may know that you have sent me. Secondly, 
that you, Father, have loved them. Isn't that good? A lot of people have father issues. I are one, a father, and have some father issues because we're human. But see, what, what this text is saying is that, is that um, we have in us a father who loves us the very way Jesus is loved that the world may know that you have sent me and that you have loved them as you have loved me. You got love tank that can't be filled? You know that, that saying? Yeah, I got a love tank that can't be filled. You know, I'm in that, a black hole. I just, you know, I'm always, you know, I need people just to always affirm me and love me. And, you know, we all do. This is what fills your tank, beloved. With, when you understand that the Father loves you the very same way he loves Jesus. You see, we can believe the Father would love Jesus, right? The sanctified, holy Son of God. Who, but we have a hard time believing that the Father can really love me. Well, this text says you need to change the experience of your heart and recognize that the Father now loves you the very way He loves Jesus. Look what Jesus prays. Close your eyes just a minute. And just imagine that the Father loves us, me, you, the very same way He loves Jesus. Maybe that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians, I think it's chapter 3, that our hearts would understand by a spirit of wisdom and revelation how big the love of God is, how wide, how long, how deep, how high, that the love of God is that surpasses the capacity to fully understand. You see, beloved, we are loved the very same way the Father loves Jesus. Now let me just summarize and end, moving from the bottom back to the top. This is about identity with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You are those people who in Jesus have been given the full measure of the Godhead to live in you bodily. That identity brings with it glory, value, honor, and the presence of God into your life that you can value and honor other people around you. Can you begin to see who we are as a people? And thirdly, identity and the glory is out of our oneness of who we are in Christ, Christ in us, Christ in you. When, when somebody rubs you the wrong way, it's okay. We can forgive them because Jesus is in them. And when we begin to live our life in that way, people will go, huh, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you, man? Well, what's wrong with me is I got a dose of God living in my life. Jesus has come into the house and he's making me different. And I'm going to look over your sorry whatever because God loves you far more than you yet know. We can begin to speak to people out of the Just be yourself, not be religious. And see what God does. It says because we're one in Christ, there will be a harvest of people believing the word from us and the word who lives in us. Are any of you struggling here today of not feeling very important? You don't have to answer that. I know some of you are because I do once in a while. The fact of the matter is, 
There's identity in Jesus and the glory that he's giving to, given to us. Jesus said we are one in Christ. There's a harvest that's happening, and we are separated for and unto God. And we have been, that word over there is sent, those who carry the message of his presence every place we go. Now, if that doesn't begin to cause us to think through the reality of who we are and transform how we see our lives... Nothing will. You say, okay, I'm sitting here and I'm not, I'm not getting it. I mean, I sort of hear what you're saying, but I am not getting it in the experience of my heart. That's where you simply come to the Father the same way Jesus did and simply ask Him to begin to open your eyes so that you can see who you are, sent, sanctified by the work of Jesus, for harvest in the world, God wants, there's no one like you. Nobody like you. And God will use everything about you because God's loved you enough to become one with you to live his life in you so that every place you go, you simply carry his presence. Now, there's a lot of inhibiting stuff that keeps this from happening in our lives. And that's where ministry happens. And I've asked Sandy Bell if she would be so kind uh, to come up. And uh, Michael, do you have a mic there? Thank you, Rob. I've asked Sandy uh, to share just a minute as we close here something about her life and a ministry that she's been involved in uh, called Actually Begun. She and her husband, uh, Jimmy, called... Um, the Wilmington Healing Center. Uh, tell us a little bit about your life and the Wilmington Healing Center and its mission, if you would. Okay. Um, I am Sandy Bell, and I'm married to Jimmy Bell. Um, and just a little bit about both of us, and just to keep it really simple, you know, we are from the world. We, didn't, we both grew up in church, but we still were sinners saved by grace. And I'm here to tell you that we are a little old me. We're nobody but God is moving in our lives in a big way to carry out a mission. And but this, God. But God. That's um, good. This, this whole teaching here this morning has so blessed me because this is exactly what God is doing in our lives. The Wilmington Healing Center is a very new ministry. It's been a vision for a long time, but now it's rubbers meeting the road. Um, we are actually in the community, for the community. Um, and it is about community. It's about the body of Christ being united and serving in the ministry of healing, body, soul, and spirit, physical, inner, and deliverance. Um, and we are out there doing just that, and we need all the help we can get. We need volunteers, so I'm just throwing that out there. Um, yeah. That was your plug, right? That was my plug. <laughs> well, <laughs> See me. <laughs> um, there is actually... The reason I had... Uh, Sandy Cummins, I wanted to introduce her in this ministry, is that a whole lot of years ago we had ministry happening here all the time in terms of setting the captives free. What do I mean by that? I mean real people who love Jesus are held captive by uh, what Joyce Meyer calls stinking thinking. You know, in other words, believing the lie that you're not good enough, that God isn't interested in you, and those barriers, those bondages can keep you held, and we don't have much of that ministry happening anymore. We have some prayer counseling and some, some girls that do that uh, ministry, but we need a whole lot more of it, and recognizing that you have been sent 
into the world, I get preaching again, uh, that we need to be equipped to do them what Jesus called us to do. So um, there is a weekend training event that's happening the, a couple of weekends in May. Tell us about that and who should be involved in that. Okay, first of all, all of you should be involved because you're all sent. So it's really about equipping, being equipped for the ministry of healing. And that is threefold, like I just said. It's inner healing, physical healing prayer, learning why things block people's physical healing, dealing with the inner healing issues with the root causes. And sometimes those root causes have a spiritual issue behind them or an entity that's keeping a person from walking in their fullness. So we all need to be trained and equipped in this area because as we begin to minister outside of these four walls, you're going to encounter things that you never thought you would ever encounter. Um, can I give a brief testimony? Sure. Yeah. Yesterday, we had a yard sale. It was just a fundraising yard sale. Well, first of all, let me just say this. This past week, Pastor Steve prophesied that I told him, I said, we're a fish cleaning station. That's kind of how I see us. And he said, well, you're going to catch some fish, too. The day after he said that, we caught a fish. So, yes, God is so good. And we were rejoicing and dancing in our little room. But anyhow, yesterday we were doing a yard sale, and the Lord said, I'm going to teach you. And he sent in a homeless woman. And these are the people that we're out there for. She was homeless. She was addicted. And she just wandered in, just wandered in. And it was a teaching opportunity for our, us and our team to, to hear from God how he wanted to minister to this woman. And it was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was exciting. It was frightening. But that's what it's about, being out there for those people because they're God's people too. He created them. He gave them life. They are our lost brothers and sisters. So this training that, that is coming up, we're going to talk about the dates of that. And then we have some information up here for you. But how... Sandy, will this training help me? I mean, not me, the pastor of the church, although it will. How will it help me, those of us who are here in our life and in the ministry to which God has sent us? Well, we all know we can never have enough tools in our tool belt, and they, this gives us a lot of tools. And really, it's about teaching us to hear the voice of God, allowing Him to flow through us, and minister to the individual person sitting in front of us or the, the corporate group that's in front of us. It's about learning words of knowledge, how to hear God's voice and call forth what God wants to do in, a, in whatever setting that we're in, whether it be on the workplace, whether it be outside mowing the lawn and somebody wanders in, whether it be at a yard sale and someone wanders in. We all need tools and we all it's just a wonderful ministry. Yeah, I'm real excited about that. Not only that we can be supportive of what you're doing, but how you can then train us to be involved in doing that ministry here, there, and wherever the Lord might send us. Tell us about the dates of this training. Okay. Um, it's actually on these flyers. It's four dates on there, but it is one intensive training. So to get the full training, you need to attend all four classes. Um, it's two Fridays and two Saturdays with a weekend in between. So... Um, May 15th and May 16th, that's a Friday night from 6 to 9, Saturday from 9 to 7, um, and then again on the 29th and 30th, which is again a Friday and a Saturday. Now on Saturday, um, we will be um, preparing a continental breakfast for everybody who's registered. You will have lunch there, and we will provide you with dinner, a light dinner. So there's no need to go out and w just stay and get all that God's got for you in the training. Great, Sandy. And uh, there's information up here because I believe some of you 
as I will be there, may want to come and go, you know what, I need some tools. It will help your identity, your sense of calling, your mission, and then how to, do, how to, how to help and how to really uh, release the captives. Um, and God's going to be bringing... I, I can prophesy to you that God is going to be bringing people out of the woodwork in these, this next season of time into the church, into your life, into your homes. Why? Because you carry the light and the life of Jesus. Let's pray for Sandy. Father, thank you for Sandy. Thank you for her husband, Jimmy, who's here as well. And Lord, we pray great grace upon them and upon their life and their calling and the ministry of equipping that you have called them. And Father, uh, help us to come alongside of all that you're doing in the, in the world in these days uh, so that your church would become mature, uh, perfect, as the word says, to lay us equipped in every good work. Lord, thank you for her and thank you for those who will respond and uh, be equipped for that ministry to which you have sent each one of us. And everybody said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sandy. God bless you. Let's stand. And I want to close with, uh, with a song here that's the first one that we did. I think this morning, but if you're here today and uh, you need a, well, a special touch from Jesus by revelation into who you are, sent, sanctified, equipped for the harvest, carrying the glory of God, doing the stuff, and I'm going to just ask you to simply reach out to him and whatever is appropriate. Just open your heart and say, God, I want more. I want, I want all that you have for me today. As we close with this closing hymn, God is really going to be giving a double portion of ministry to his church in these days in which we live. But he's looking for people who will simply say, yes, I know I'm sent. I know I'm called. I know, God, you've done it and you have something for me because you're in me. Maybe some of our ministry team, if you'd make yourself available for us to pray with you, should that be a need that you have. And let's just worship and then we'll slip out.